a broke single mom who'd been fired from Denny's go on to become America's most sought-after real estate investor. Hold on to your seats as you are about to go on a wild ride that results in you being a superstar. Dwan Twyberg, a.k.a. Wonderful, is about to blow your mind. The most wonderful real estate podcast ever promises to be your go-to podcast for everything that life has to offer. You are entering the Wonderful Zone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. I am your host, Dwan Benton Twyford. I'm America's most sought after real estate investor. I'm so excited that you are here with me today. As you can see, I have a guest, Mr. Joe Jensen, and he is the wicked smart man of the day. So we are going to find out what Joe's about, what he does. So just hang out and have some fun with us. Our motto at Wonderful is people before profits. So if that's something that resonates with you, I want you to opt in at Dwanderful, D-W-A-N-D-E-R-F-U-L. So I took Dwan and Wonderful, and I made a new word, Dwanderful. Opt in at Dwanderful.com. I'll send you my free ebook, How to Flip Your Way to a Fortune. And I have all kinds of fun free things for you over there. So uh, opt in over there. And and uh, just hang out and have fun with us today. So Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Dwan? You're wonderful. Good, good. I'm doing wonderful myself. There you are. It's a wonderful world. All right. So uh, we like to start off and just have a toast. And, okay. you know, we're going to have a conversation. So people just sort of feel like they're just sitting around kind of hanging out with us. So uh, cheers. I have my cup today that says, have courage to be kind. There have we go. Kind, folks. So cheers. Thank you, everyone watching. Cheers. Everybody take a deep breath, ah, stretch out, get rid of whatever you got going on, and just tune in and have some fun with us today. So, Joe, you are the wicked smart man today. And so what we like to do is uh, I just, I'm just going to throw you straight into the deep end. Let's I like go. you to tell us uh, your name, like two sentences about what you do and how we can get in touch with you. So I like that to be at the very top of the show notes. And then I'm just going to ask you some fun questions. And at the end, we're going to do a little bit of a summary and see if we're able to get inside of your mind. So this session I call Inside the Minds of Today's Millionaires. And I always know that when people have, like yourself, have been successful and reached a certain point, other people always want to know, how did you do that? So we just like to pick your brain and see what's going on. And we'll do a little summary at the end and see if we're able to get like, this side, this far inside the mind of Joe Jensen today. So Let's pick we away. just want to know what's your deal. All right. Well, my name is Joe Jensen. My full name is Joseph F. Jensen. Um, and that's actually the best way to find me is just go to my website, josephfjensen.com. So that's J-O-S-E-P-H-F is in freedom, J-E-N-S-E-N.com. Okay. And that'd be the easiest way to find me. All right. And what do you do? So I'm a real estate investor. I do real estate investing, long hold cash flow stuff just to be able to buy my freedom in time. Nice. That's okay. what I do for work. But you know, with my actual, what I actually do with my life is I raise two little kids. I've got a six and a four-year-old and I love to travel and play, do a lot of outdoors adventure stuff. Um, just always trying to find the next fun thing to do. 
Yeah, that sounds like so. How much? How old are you, Joe? I'm 38. 38. Okay. I would like people how old they are because I didn't start investing until I was already in my like well in my 30s. And I find people that are like 18 years old. They started investing at 18. It's like, oh, it's crazy. Where was I at 18? That right. I wasn't investing. So you're it's never too early, early and it's never too late. You not, know? That's what I tell people. I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're 18. I don't care if you're 15. It's never too early and it is never too late. Because I've got people that I train that are in their late 80s. They're like, oh, yeah. we're bored. We need something to do. We want to make some money. And I'm like, hey, real estate is the thing to do. Love it. All right. So you're a real estate investor and you have two little kids. I love the fact because I find that I did real estate investing also to have like the freedom and set my hours so I could mm-hmm. travel with my kids. And, you know, and we traveled like gosh darn. I, I traveled so much with my kids as they were growing up. I've never met anyone whose kids have been as many places as we took ours. And so, That's like, awesome. I know. So I, I love that about you, that you're doing this. That's a good family, man. It's a good thing to do. So tell me, um, what is it? What area of real estate do you invest in? So I kind of focus on basically single family, residential, long hold cash flow, like landlord type stuff. You know, um, I say single family and I've got a couple duplexes and triplexes and stuff like that. But it's all basically, you know, as opposed to the commercial multi-unit stuff. Just residential, boring, long hold cash flow. Nothing too sexy or exciting about it, but it uh, pays the bills, you know, passively. You know, I've been investing for like almost 35 years. I I really like single family homes. Sure. Everybody's like, oh, do multi unit, do this, do that, have storage, have land, like all the stuff. And I was like, but what's wrong with just, Owning a bunch of single family homes, giving people a great place to live, letting them raise their families in your house, pay it off for you, and you've got wealth for life and you can leave all that to your kids. Well, and what I love about real estate is it's so customizable to whatever your situation and your goals are, right? Like one thing that got me into it, like says, I I, I went through a divorce. And so I'm like, okay, I'm a single dad. I've got two kids. Like, how am I going to have the time and the bandwidth to give them the attention and support that they need? And and so for me, that was the whole point of getting into real estate investing was to be able to just buy my time and freedom so that I could focus on that and also do the things that I want to do in life. And so some people, they get into real estate to go become rich and they're going, they're working 80 hour weeks and they're growing a huge empire. And they're doing some amazing things, you know, f- you know, turning these huge multi-units or flipping a million places like you have, you know, and that wasn't my focus when I started. It was just like, hey, how do I just buy my freedom so I can do whatever I need with my time? And so the single family residential was just the most simple, turnkey, predictable, very kind of safe place I could just jump into. And then, you know, when my kids are older and, and they don't want to hang out with me anymore, then it's like, yeah, then I can go hard <laughs> doing other stuff. But They're there's something for everyone. They're always going to want to hang out with you. That's the goal, right? That's no, the goal. they will. They will. You know what? You got to, you have to discipline them. So they, because kids are disciplined, have better relationships with their parents. You got to be their parent and not their friend. And then when they're 18, 19, 20, you guys can hang out and like have drinks together and you can be their friend, you know? And I don't know. That's my belief. And that's how I raise my kids. And I have such great relationships with my kids and all of them. And, but I was like parent and, you know, we have fun, obviously. But at the end of the day, mom is laying down some laws and you're living within the laws, my room, my, my house, my rules. And, and, 
it was great. And I see all these parents like let their kids just get away with everything, talk back to them. Just I was like, oh my God, how do you not want to kill your children? <laughs> right. No, structure and boundaries goes a long way in every aspect of life. It really does. It, it really, I mean, I, you know, being the age I am now, all my kids are in their thirties. And when I first met my husband, uh, I was a single parent. He was a single parent and his kids had no structure whatsoever. They were just like wild, like let out of the jungle book. And I was like, the hell is this with your kids are so wild. And my daughter like, so, and I brought in that structure. Now, listen, these are the rules. We're all living within these, ba- these are the rules. Sure. And, and in the beginning, they're like, ah, yeah, so many rules. I think, no, it's called structure and it's called boundaries. And, yeah. I'm the, and I'm the, at the end of the day, I'm the boss of everybody. And you know what? I have such great relationships with uh, Bill's kids. I mean, they're all mine. We're all each other's. But we have best relationships. And it, and I, I see all these people that just let their kids run wild. And they're screaming in the mall. They're throwing themselves on the floors. And they're just like feeding them candy. Oh, whatever it takes to quiet them down. It's like. Whip their ass, man. <laughs> and you may not be like that. I am a very like structured, organized parent, but you, you know, you're raising adults. You're not raising kids, you're raising adults. Right. And you know, structure and boundary them today. When they grow up, they're gonna be those people that you look at and go, who the hell raised you? Right. <laughs> Unless you're one of those people. So we <laughs> I guess we won't go off down that tangent. <laughs> kids need structure. Um, they do. And, you know, the thing about the single family homes is with your kids, they can go work on the rentals with you. And you can raise them up in real estate. And they start right when they're 18 out of the gate. And you'll create generational wealth for your family. Yeah, it's been fun already teaching. Like my, my six-year-old can tell me the difference between an asset and a liability. And like yeah. teaching them like these principles of ownership and actually growing something. And yeah. I'm excited to be able to like help them see that path. You know, I always tell people your number one fiscal responsibility is to grow your your asset portfolio. And and I wish I had understood that on an early level. You think your, your fiscal responsibility is to make money. Go get a job, make some money, go, go sell something, make money, you know, go make money, make money, make money. But it's like, that's not the point. The point is to build your asset portfolio because that's what gives you the freedom and the true wealth that you want to have. So I'm excited to like instill that into their brains yeah, at such yeah. a young age that that's kind of the focus and everything else yeah. is leveraging towards that. Now, will you be the first person in your family to start building generational wealth? Or do you come from a family that instilled that in you already? Uh, kind of uh my dad did it on a very low-key level so like he was kind of my inspiration I saw him you know dabble with real estate he had a couple properties and it was like he had some income coming from them he recently he got into like buying notes and stuff so he always had a like an idea of the the you know the the real estate and the passive income from it but never at a scale where it was like could really you know, I don't know about generational wealth, you know, to leave millions behind anything like that. It was just enough for him to be able to raise his family, you know? And so that was kind of the inspiration for me. And so I've been able to just kind of jump on it a little more aggressively, a little earlier than he did Uh do it in a, in a faster manner instead of it taking 30 or 40 years. And then he's like, Oh, I can retire. You know, it's like, Hey, I can retire at 35 instead of 65. You know what I mean? So just kind of being able to leverage what he did and take it to the next level and then your kids will do that and next thing you know it's not even about having an empire of millions 
I feel like it's about like passing things down to your kids and teaching them so mm-hmm. that you you build a family of entrepreneurs. Exactly. Kids, your grandkids, great grandkids. Everybody understands about working for themselves instead of like whoever the man is working for the man. They all work for themselves and and you create, you know, generations behind you where everyone yeah, is exactly. financially Because it's not about, I don't feel like it's about how many millions you have. I think it's about how much freedom do you have. Exactly. Like you, said, you built a giant empire. You're working your ass off. A hundred percent. And that's the thing. It's like the way I look at it is like, you know, I didn't, I made no money until I was 25. Like I just never made any money. I didn't know how to make money. No one in my life really made money. Like my dad, like I said, had some freedom, but, but there was no money. And so I made nothing and had nothing until I was 25. And then I spent a decade doing high commissioned sales and like made some money. And then it was like, oh, now I need to like turn that into assets and wealth and everything. So, you know, then I could retire by, you know, 38 or whatever. I want my kids should be, I'll be able to teach them to be retired by 25. And then they can spend that decade building something of their passions that they truly want, whether it makes them rich or just as something that they they're passionate about or both, you know what I mean? But they can spend that, that 25 to 35, that decade just really doing what they want to do and taking big risks and going hard um, as opposed to just grinding away and then building their empire. They'll be able to do it first. So I'm excited for that. I know. I'm excited for that too. I've got uh, my kids all started down that real estate path, but not as hard as I probably not as hard as I should have pushed them just because, you know, just the way the timing, everything worked out. But my grandkids, they already own candy machines and they own little machines and things and they go work at houses and they help paint and fix up things and they're Love all it. getting a house when they turn 18. I was like, yeah, hey, we're gonna we're gonna get that generational well started. <laughs> Love Something's it. gotta be the first one. Yeah. You know, so it sounds like that's you. And now so uh so let me just backtrack a little bit. So when you were like 13, 14, 15, what was that guy doing? What was that like teen? Where were you living? What were you doing? Yeah, so low key, I was I was living on the West Desert of Utah, Nevada, right there on the border. And literally, if you ever scheduled something, it was like Utah time or Nevada time because it's a time change right there. Like we were living on the border. Uh, but I mean, we're talking middle of nowhere. You could take a hundred mile radius and there's less than a thousand people just scattered wow. across some ranches. I mean, there was no city, there was no town, it was just a bunch of ranches scattered throughout. A couple towns 20, 30 minutes away of a couple hundred people. But it was it was very low-key. So I was just, you know, playing in the dirt, living on a ranch, no aspirations for life, never seen anything special, never done anything special. And I was happy kid and just, you know, lived my life, hung out with my brothers and sisters. And, you know, that was uh that that's what I was doing at, at that age. Yeah, but that sounds like a fun life. It was. It was good. You know what I mean? There's certain things you miss out on, but, the, you know, there's a lot of things you gain, you know, so I don't really have any regrets, you know. I know. We grew up in the country, so we had like a garden and, you know, horses, not horses. We had a horse, but we had like cows and chickens and mm-hmm. played with all the kids in the neighborhood. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. But as an adult, it was like, what the hell am I going to do out here in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> So were you like working at or anything or just like hanging out, having fun, just being a kid in the middle of the desert? 
I mean, we would work on the ranch all the time, right? My dad would love to work. He was a hard worker. So we were always building a shed or building a deck or building a, we made our own uh, natural spring swimming pool that we laid with river stones to make the entire like pool. We built with rocks and cement and then a natural artesian well would rise up, fill it, and then it would flow out into the cow pastures. Um, so we like made swimming pools. We made, I mean, we were always working on some new project my dad would come up with. You know, yeah, we'd irrigate our like own a land. Really neat thing to do and know how to do. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of work, but I'm grateful for it. it. Taught me how to work. You know what I mean, and and how to do things you don't want to do um, because you're not always in the mood to do things. You know, but if you do it, things get done, and then that that's a very important part of just being an effective human in life, right? And that's so, pretty cool, though, that you guys built a, a pool like out of the natural springs out in the desert like that. Like, really? That's yeah, it, was, it was. I mean, we had fish swimming around in the pool. I mean, it was freshwater, right? So, like, <laughs> it was it was fun. Oh, my God. That does sound like fun. So then when you were a little older, like now you're 20, 21, you're an adult. What are mm-hmm. you doing then? Yeah, so I was just going to university. My whole family moved up to uh, Provo, Utah. And so I was going to school. Um, had uh was just kind of uh you know living at home going to school trying to get my education and figure out what I was going to do with life um not really sure exactly and I started dabbling in phone sales because it was the most flexible uh work I could find that could still pay a decent amount and that kind of t- turned me on to sales and so I ended up getting into phone sales for a while. And then I did door-to-door sales, like, you know, knock on your door. Hey, you want to buy a home security system? I did did that for a decade um, from like 24 to or 25 to 35, I guess. Just uh, did that for a long time as well. And that kind of gave me uh, a start of some capital. And I started dabbling with real estate along the way because I'd seen my dad do it. I knew it was important. I didn't understand how it worked. I didn't know like what my, I didn't have a strategy, but I just dabbled with a little along the way with some of my extra commission sales money. Um, and then, yeah. And then it was a few years ago that I was like, oh, like I, I'm done with the sales world. And then I was like, I went hard and really, really in depth with real estate to understand the science and the methodology behind it. So I could really create my, my freedom and my wealth. And so that's what I've been doing for the past few years. You know, it's funny. I tell people all the time, I say, cause you know, I, I, I find, you tell me if you agree, but I find that new investors, one of their biggest fears is talking to people. Well, what if a homeowner asked me this question? And you're trying to buy somebody's house that's in foreclosure or something. What if they ask me this? What if they say that? What yeah. if or what? And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know what? If you would work in a phone room for six months, you mm-hmm. would get past all of your fears of the yeah. if they say this or that. Because I did that. I worked in a phone room for like eight months. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, my self-confidence, I learned about sales. I learned about closings. I went through all kinds of training. Yeah. And, and I was in a sales room from some kind of infomercial. And then when it would run, like there was like 50 desks and the phones would just all start ringing and everybody answered all the phones. It only yep. took me like three weeks to be up in the first seat. Nice. So I hang up, I get a call. I hang up, get a call. And I was like, damn, I'm making so much money. This is a great job. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I couldn't see that like leading to anything, but I tell you all the time, you work six months in a phone room, it'd change your whole life. 
Yeah, I mean, I think sales is the fa- learning the sales skills and techniques is is just like I said, it's, it's how do you talk to people, how do you face yeah. rejection, how do you overcome fear, and if you can figure that out, that's going to be an awesome tool for whatever you want to do in life, you know, regardless. So it, it kind of forces you to learn the lessons that'll help you. It does because people are always afraid of what if a homeowner says this or does that? What if, what if, what if, what if? Yeah. It's like, listen, if you want to get yelled at, screamed at, cussed at, and all this stuff, work in a phone room. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yeah. And then you're, you'll overcome your fear of rejection and you'll realize that's nothing to do with you at all. Yeah. It's and then you go, the you go do it in person. Time. You go do it in person, door to door, and you, they can sick their dog on you or pull a gun on you. Or, you know, the, it's really real when you're doing it in person. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll uh, put some thick skin on you. <laughs> I had one person stick their dog on me, and I was like, seriously? And it was a raw wild, and this dog starts coming around from the back, and I was out that yard so fast. It's like, mm-hmm. who would do that? Like, for real, though. Yeah. Why did that dog attack me? Yeah, I got bit by a dog. I remember talking to a homeowner, just jumped right from behind, like, jumped on my back and bit my back. It was crazy. Yeah. I've been going back fun. later that night and shooting that dog. I uh, know, <laughs> right? I can't say that. I would not do that. I love animals. I, I may or may them. not have called animal control on them. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> exactly. I may or may not have done the same thing. It's like, but oh my God. Yeah, you're right. It, it's funny. And plus going door to door, if you're out there, then you're dealing with homeowners, you're trying to buy houses and you're talking to people, you've had the experience. So then to take that step in real estate investing, I would feel like, you know, other than obviously learning the skills of it, but the people side of it, you had that already in in your pocket. Yeah. I mean, when I got into real estate, the last concern I had was was talking to people, right? That's what I do all day, every day. And so that was not a concern at all. And and be able to talk to people and and being creative and figuring out a win-win, you know, because there's there's two different kinds of salesmen, right? Well, there's a lot of different kinds, but there's those who are just kind of like what I call the railroader, railroaders or bulldozers just go in and just like, just just take down anybody in front of them and it kind of force a sale. And there's those who actually just find a good win-win situation where everybody's stoked. And I found that that is my style. Um, and that works really well with, with you know real estate investing too. Like, hey, how can we find a win-win? How can we get the seller what they want? How can I get what I need? And, and then we're all walking away stoked. And I think real estate lends itself so well to win-win, win-win-win situations compared mm-hmm. to anything I've ever seen where it's like the, the, and there's so everybody along the way can come out on top, which is super cool. Yeah, no, I'm that way too. If it's not a good deal for the homeowner and for me, and then for whatever, if I'm wholesaling it or rehabbing it or landlording, it's gotta be like a win for all the people. Otherwise it's like, there's no reason to do that. You, you can make so much money in life just doing things the right way. Everybody's always gonna get up on everybody. It's like, but why do you have to do that? Like, you don't need to do that. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. So, where do you live now? So, I live in Southern Utah right now, near oh, St. So George, Utah. Utah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The beautiful I, red rocks. Really and, oh, Utah is amazing. You know, from it varies a lot from north to south, so you get a little bit of everything, but mountains and lakes and snow, and it's it's a it's a beautiful trail running, mountain biking, wakeboarding. It's a it's a play place, and I love it. Yeah, it is. I've only been there a couple of times, but. I was just like, it's kind of like Colorado. Colorado is sure. just really beautiful, you know? Absolutely. And Utah is just really a beautiful, it's like a beautiful place to live. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like the people out there, I mean, at least for me, I've only been there, like I said, a few times, but everyone I met, so nice, talk to you, makes you feel welcome. I was like, what great people. Because, you know, some states you go, then you're like, gosh, all these people that live here, they're all like jerks. And <laughs> <laughs> you go to Utah or Colorado, everybody's like, hey, welcome. Like, people are so great. Yeah, I love it. All right, so you do single family homes. So what's your ideal single family home? Beds, baths, square footage. Like, what's your idea in a neighborhood? In the country, like what's your perfect deal? So I kind of buy all over the country, just depending on if the numbers work. And so that's going to vary depending on the market you're in, right? You'll be in one city and it's like two bed, one baths are great. You know what I mean? That's fine. You'll get top dollar rent for it. A lot of people are looking to to rent that place. And so you'll be able to kind of be choosy about who you put in it. Um, But then you go to another place and it's like, the jump from two to three bedroom is where it's at. Like you got to have a three bedroom, two bath, or you're getting half the rent, you know, you're not getting any good tenants, you know? And so it really varies, you know, and there's areas where it's like a one bedroom studio. I got a place in Hawaii and it's like a studio. It's not even a one bedroom. And it's like, that gets the highest demand it is. Like they don't even care anything just to live in, you know, they're, they're happy. And so you really, it's very market specific. Of it's not about my preference, just what do the people living in that area want and find where like the most demand is where you can get yeah. the best tenant and the best rent for so what, what, what you're getting. What is the space that you invest in? Oh, so I've got stuff in Utah, Texas, Oklahoma, Hawaii, uh, Kentucky, New York. Um, so kind of all over the gambit a little bit. So Utah, Texas, Oklahoma. Yeah, Kentucky, New Kentucky. York, Hawaii. Gosh, that one in Hawaii, I'd keep empty and just go stay there half the year. <laughs> uh, that was the plan. So, so that was actually what I did. Is I bought a three unit that had a three bed, two bath, kind of like multi combined home, and then had a separate what they call it in Hawaii an Ohana unit, or it's a studio unit. And I can rent out the two main sections for enough to cover my mortgage, then I can just go live and stay in the, uh, the studio whenever I want to. Like, come on Um, kids, I gotta go here and learn how to surf this summer. Let's go. Exactly. Yep. That's the plan. So that is good. So now since you're buying all over the country, how are you finding houses all over the country? Cause you know, 90% of the people think they have to buy only in their backyard. I find, you know, I've been training people for 30 years. Oh, I got to buy in my backyard. I have to be able to see everything. It's like, no, but you buy everywhere. So Mm -hmm. how did you, how do you find these houses? Like you want to buy a house in Kentucky and you're in Utah. How do you find your house? Yeah. So there's lots of different ways to do it. I mean, when I first started, that's what my dad taught me too. He called it your farming area. Never buy outside your farming area. If you can't drive there in 20 minutes, like it's a bad idea, you know, and 50 years ago, that's probably, there's probably a lot more validity to that. Um, you know what I mean? We live in a small world now with technology and resources that that we we just don't have to abide by that same rule any longer. So that actually held me back for a long time. Um, and so, because Utah is really expensive, right? And it's hard to cash flow. And obviously, it used to be better um, that, you know, after COVID, boom, a lot of these places just re- got really, really hard to cash flow in. Um, oh, but there's other I places that I aren't. Remember. I know. The yeah, hood. It's same, same like the thing. Hood, exactly. $500,000 house. How, how are you going to cash mm-hmm. flow that? Yeah. And then how do you come up with the down payment even? You know, even if it cash flow, it's like it gets expensive. 
So I, I was kind of forced outside of Utah when I understood how real estate worked. I started looking into it and I was like, okay, I, I have this much money. I need this much of a cash on cash return to be able to hit my goals so I don't have to work anymore. It's not going to fly in this state. So where is it going to fly? And so I just started looking all over the place. And so, you know, there's lots of ways you can find deals. Now, if you're Again, if you're going to go build a business and go hard, as you know, you know, you can get these legion stuff and like start doing mailers and you can you can actually do it like correctly and effectively if you're doing it at scale. But I wasn't doing it at scale. I'm like, look, I can only work four or five hours a day, part time, you know, every other week. Like I'm doing this very low key so that I can actually be with my family. And so for for me, I just kind of was like, well, I don't need a million places. I just need some one offs. And that's okay. And it was really freeing when I realized I don't have to start a huge business. I don't have to scale things and pour thousands of markings. I just need a couple one-offs. Five or 10, 20 homes is going to set you free. How do I find those? And and I've done it again, but I mean, you name it, I've found it. I've got deals from wholesalers online. I've got deals from real estate agents, um, on-market deals from real estate agents, off-market deals from real estate agents. You can get deals off-market. Yeah. From real estate agents. Um, and I've done uh um probate. I've done I've got some stuff off probate sales. Um, Zillow, Zillow, you know, Zillow's right there, and everybody, you know, laughs that it's not the place to find deals, but there's deals on Zillow every day. Um, and uh, you know, real estate agents sending deals and then getting into uh property managers. And so one thing I would say is action leads to opportunity. That's kind of been my theme for the whole year. Is action leads to opportunity. So you know, I've also bought stuff from just from friends, you know, people like friends and acquaintances are like, oh, I'm selling a house. You know what I mean? You do real estate stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it from you. So I ended up buying this house from a friend of mine, a girl that worked for me back in the sales days. And it introduced me to this small town in New York that I never knew existed, but I got the house at really cheap. And then while I was buying that, I, I got introduced some property managers in the area and just because I was looking for a property manager and he was like, oh, well, I have some places you could buy. And so then that led to something. And then that one leads to something. And you, you know, the more action you take, you'll just find these opportunities yeah. along the way. But if you're just sitting back, you know, you you won't find anything. They say you live, you learn. And I'm like, no, 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 you do. You learn. Just yeah. being alive is not going to do much. You, you, there's a lot of ignorant people out there who are alive. But so it's not you live, you learn, but it's do. You do, you learn. Oh, that's so funny. There's a lot of ignorant people that are alive. That is so true. I'm going to start saying that. So you have property managers on all your properties. Um, I probably self-manage 70% of okay. my properties. And then I've got a couple like hybrid ones too, where I've got, I've got some where I have a full like normal property manager and they just do everything. Right. And then I've got some, like I have a small mobile home park and I got like a hybrid guy who helps me with some stuff, but I manage the majority of it. And I give him a partial property management uh, commission. And so right. I've started doing that where it's like, they help me with the ha- the ground on the stuff on the ground that I yeah, can't yeah, do. Yeah. But, but I still, you know, collect rents and do like other things that are easy for me to do remotely. And we kind of just work together and they're cheaper than a normal property manager, but, but super helpful um, when I can't show up and put a lockbox on something physically, yeah. you know, like those little things. So I've got a, some I do myself, some I do hybrid, some I have full property managers for. I like. That. I do a lot myself. The thing I love the most about all the, I mean, I love everything you talk about, but the thing I love the most is that you, as soon as you realize you don't have to buy in your own backyard, that when people recognize that that is a reality, 
it changes your whole perspective on sure. investing. Because I, I have most of my rentals in Iowa. And okay. they're in Iowa because you can buy a two-story, three-bedroom, one-bath house for sixty grand mm-hmm. that rents for eleven hundred. And in Denver, like right down at the bottom of the mountain, a house that's like just so rough of a neighborhood, it's like four hundred and fifty, but they only rent for like eighteen hundred. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so this is in four fifty there. I'll go buy six houses over here and pay cash. Yep. Seven bucks a house, six thousand over here, negative. So everyone's like, why don't you own Colorado? I was like, have you seen the prices in Denver? <clears throat> There's unless I want to get like into really high priced houses, it's like I'd rather take that same money and go out of state or to the Midwest or someplace like where you're talking about, like Ohio. We buy Ohio, Texas, also uh, Iowa, and buy things that are cheaper, but they still the rent and the cash flow is good. Well, and that's the key, right? You got to look at the the purchase to rent ratio, you know, because it's like it's not only oh this is expensive. But its rent ratio is not high enough. You know, if you were buying it for five hundred thousand, but everything could rent for five thousand, then it's like, hey, I'll find a way to make a swing. That's totally cool. I'm getting you know, yeah. the ratio is good, and so it's not about like how expensive the market is it's as much ratio. as it is of how's the purchase to rent ratio. If you're looking to go build cash flow, um, if that's your goal, and again, everybody's goal is different. I encourage people like, well, what's a good deal? What's a good deal? Everybody asks that. You know, it's like it all depends on what your goals are. I say there's this trifecta. You got to look at what your goals are, what your resources are, and what your time frame is. And if you put that trifecta together, that will determine your strategy. Um, But if you don't know that, then you're going to kind of be like all over the place and never really know how to pull the trigger because everything's a deal, but nothing's a deal. And I don't know what I'm doing. And there's too many choices, you know? I know. I feel like, um, I mean, obviously, one good thing about all the technology is you can have things everywhere, find things everywhere, sure. and, which is great. But the downside is for someone that's brand new, there's also a thousand other people, buy my course, let me teach you, I'll show you the way. And, mm-hmm. and they're great marketers, but they've never actually done real estate. Yeah, for sure. So then people are, you know, they're stuck with like, oh my God, there's like 20,000 choices. What do I do? And, you know, I'm given too many choices. People don't do anything. Yeah. And the thing is with real estate too is, you know, it's it's such a broad term, right? And so, like someone like me, I could they say, "Hey, teach me real estate," right? I'm like, "Cool, I'll teach you what I know." But if they want me to teach them how to flip houses on scale, I, I've never done it. I don't know anything about it. Now, I, I'm really good at what I do know, but it doesn't mean I know this. And I can teach it in theory, and I can show you the principles. But to say it's very different in practice than in theory. And so, you know, for finding your niche, it's like there's a lot of different ways to do real estate and somebody who's incredibly credible and an awesome teacher in one realm might not be the best in another realm because they've never done it. It's so true. It's so true. And you know, I like, I'm like you, I I know everybody. I mean, we have all the stuff. I have commercial buildings. I have multi-units. I have some storage units, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm like a single family house kind of girl. I like to mm-hmm. put people in my houses and give them a nice house and fence in the yard. The kids can play. You can have a pet. You can live here for 20 years and raise your kids in my house. And yeah. I will give you a nice place to raise your family. So, I mean, I've had tenants for 15 years. It's like, yeah, why would you not buy your own place? But then I'm like, okay, but I don't want you to move out of mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, stay where you are, but 
I mean, shoot, I, I one girl ran to me for like 20 years. I was like, she paid off the whole house. Yeah, it's crazy. She could have bought her own, but she just like, no, I just, you know, I don't want to be responsible. It's like, all right, that's fine. I mean, that's off with me, Cynthia. You live here for as long as you want to and raise her kids and our grandkids live with her. And and it's like, but you could have paid for your own house twice over. No, like I said, it comes more responsibility, right? You got to have the credit, you got to have the down payment, and then you got to take care of all those repairs that you're sending people out for. And and you got to have, you know, it's it's more responsibility. Um, I think it's worth it. Obviously, that's what I do as well. But for some people, they just they they don't want to take on more in life, you know. No, they don't. I know it always kind of stuns me because sometimes I feel like to my own tenants, like, don't you guys want more out of life? Like then, and but then I'm like. But so it's okay. Just keep living in my house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will give you the best house ever. All right. So let's jump topics. What's your what's your um, favorite band of all time? Oh, favorite band of all time. I don't know, man. There's a lot of good bands out there. I but, know. Uh, you got to narrow it down to one. So one, my brother just got me tickets to Third Eye Blind. So oh. I don't know if they're my favorite of all time, but there was a time where they were definitely my favorite. And they're on my mind because he got me tickets to that. So they're kind of an old school 90s band. But I love that. You, know, you don't you don't get to choose your nostalgia, right? Whatever you grew up with, that is what it is. And you know, whether it was good music or bad music, it hits you in a nostalgic way. And so you're like, oh, I like this, you know. Yeah, um, they came out with that so. song Kryptonite. I was like, I love this band. And I've followed them ever since. It is. It's funny. You do. You get a song and you're like, that's it. My favorite band, my favorite song. Uh, what's your favorite food? Um, It used to be pizza before I understood nutrition and health, which I'm pretty passionate about now, but I, I love pizza. I do too. I had pizza today for breakfast. Yeah, there you go. My my favorite now is just probably <laughs> eggs. I eat eggs every single day, every which way you can design an egg and makes an egg. Like I love eggs. So that, that's my, I, that's I, my I health. I only have eggs for breakfast. Today, I was like, you know what? I'm having pizza for breakfast. So I had pizza and a soda for breakfast. It's like not the most nutritious, but some days you just, you know, it's a nice rainy day. You just, some days you just got to have pizza for breakfast, man. There you go. I'm, I might make a way to do a, a an egg, healthy egg pizza, something like that. That's, that sounds. I make cheesy eggs for my grandkids. You haven't lived till I've cooked cheesy eggs for you. Mm-hmm. If I ever get out to Utah, my husband and I are going to swing by and make you some cheesy eggs. So sounds like, good. Girl, those are the best things I ever put in my mouth. They're so delicious. I'll take it. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, Where's your favorite place? Like in the whole world. Hawaii. Where's your, where's your happy? Hawaii. Hawaii. My heart is in Hawaii. I lived out there. I fell in love with the islands. It is, uh, I, yeah, Hawaii, hands down. I've never felt more at home and at peace and just like running around the mountains of Hawaii, diving in the ocean there, swimming deep with the fish and turtles and sharks and dolphins. And man, it's, uh, yeah, hands down. I love it. Yeah, it's funny. That is, for me and my husband, that's also like our happy place. We, I don't know. You're right. There's just something... To me, there's just this vibe about Hawaii. Mm-hmm. That's no place else in the world. Yeah, it's hard to put a finger on exactly what it is because there's lots of tropical places. But man, yeah. there's something about Hawaii that I just truly, truly love. But it's a play place for me too. Like I said, I love to free dive. I love to surf. I love to trail run and hike. And it's just got everything I love. But like, there's just a vibe there. Like, I love how you don't yeah. know. You could be walking next to somebody down by the beach and you cannot tell if they're a homeless person or a millionaire. 
now and I no know. one cares. Like, it's just like, <laughs> no one cares. You're just all out there surfing. And it's like, I just love that vibe that it's not, it's funny because it's an expensive place to live, but it's like, it's not about keeping up with the Joneses and who has no. the nicest stuff. It's just about like how deeply you can connect with nature and enjoy your, your day. Like the event is there's a sunset and everybody comes out to watch it. You yeah. know what I mean? I, no, I love yeah, that. No, I get it. Yeah. I feel like it is. It's a vibe. It's like, I think unless you just have the vibe for Hawaii, people don't get it. It's like, oh, it's so expensive. It's crap, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. There's just some vibe. Like when you're there, I you just feel, I feel different when I'm there. Yeah, 100%. Like I'm sure I'll end up like, living back there again someday. I would like to live there. I don't it's know if best. I ever will, because, but I don't know. We've looked at properties out there before. It's like, you know, we just need to get a rental and get something like a duplex. Rent out half, keep the other half, and go there and visit more often. But gosh, I love Hawaii. Okay, so let's summarize. So we did, uh, so Joe Jensen at josephfjensen.com. And you mostly do single family homes, landlording, which I love that. You buy a lot of space, which I really love that because I always encourage people to buy, don't buy in your backyard. Buy Your backyard might not be the best place. If it is, great. But if it's not, buy around and don't be so scared to buy. Yeah, buy, buy where makes sense for your strategy. Yeah, buy where it makes sense. So you have stuff in Utah, Texas, Oklahoma, Kentucky, Hawaii, New York. I mean, I love the range of your portfolio. You live in Utah. I love the fact that when you were a kid, you like lived out in nowhere, like on a ranch and building pools and artesian wells. And like, what a fun thing to do. Yeah. As a kid, did you guys have like dirt bikes and like all the stuff out there? Um, We had four wheelers and three wheelers and we yeah. would roll those three wheelers. Like there's a reason they made those things illegal, but <laughs> we had a blast on them. <laughs> we have, I love four wheelers. We have like six four wheelers and like eight dirt bikes here. It's like, Love it. You can't ride too much for me. And uh, I like your uh, action leads to opportunity. I like, you self-manage some. You have managers for some. You find things uh, from agents, probate, Zillow, all, all places I agree. It's like people always make fun of Zillow. It's like there's deals on Zillow. So you like pizza, third ab line, and you like Hawaii. So is that like a little piece of soul there today? Uh, it's a little piece of Joe right there. There's a little glimpse. I like that. That's fun. And the thing is, you know, I like about it is it's not like you had like, hey, I want to grow a $100 million business. I I agree. Like real estate provides financial freedom. And when you make it too big, you really create a giant job for yourself. Right. Now, I tell people, if you just want financial freedom, get yourself like 20 rentals and call it a day. Yep. Money's coming in, money's coming out. You just take care of the things, keep your taxes paid, keep up with your repairs. And you can do almost anything you want you know these people are like, oh, I'm 4, units it's like why? <laughs> why and i know people do that but it's like hey i get it but it's like gosh darn man why do you create so much work for yourself working for yourself is supposed to give you freedom yeah for sure that that's my passion part is is, is you know anybody who knows me freedom's my brand that's my llc like everything is about freedom um, so that that's that's what it's about to me. And so I, if I'm going to build something, I better get a way to be able to create it, make it turnkey, and systematize it. So I'm not managing it because, uh, like I said, it, I, if I'm losing my freedom, I don't really care how much I make it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. That's one thing I love is like you know my my parents are like factory people. Like, oh, good job. Work at a factory. Work for the man and retire. 
And after like a week at a factory, I thought, why on God's earth would anybody want somebody to do this? This is the worst thing that's ever happened. Like, why would somebody want this for me? And it's, you know, so many people do. They just work for somebody else and then they retire. And like two years after they retire, people are drop over like flies. No. Like build something for yourself. Okay. So, um, uh, so I want you to leave us with a word of wisdom, but actually just a word, like a word. Parting word of wisdom. Mm. Parting word of wisdom. Priorities. Mm. Okay. I like priorities. And what does that mean to you? Well, to me, if you look at like priorities, like that, like they say, there's a lot of things to get distracted with. Oh, I can go make money. I can go do this. Or I can do like, what is your priority right now? And if you truly make it your number one priority, you'll accomplish it. Right. And so if, if you know what your priorities are, though, you can align the world and the universe according to that. But if you don't know what your priorities are, then you can't align anything. And so I, I think that's really important to know your priorities. Those are some wise words. All right. So everybody in the wonderful universe, your word of the week is priorities. And that is a really good word. It is. It's, you know, it, you got to prioritize things. I think your priorities change also as you get older, you have Absolutely. kids, you get this age or that age. Like my priorities now, like I just want to hang out and run around with my grandkids and, you know. And it should be that way. Like your priorities should change. You know, when my kids are four and six, like my priorities are going to be different than when they're 14 and 16. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be, and when they're 24 and 26, like your priorities shift and you need to be like listening to yourself and your heart and your world. I mean, like, Hey, what is my priorities now? What do I need to do? And there'll be times where you're grinding and going crazy hard. And there'll be times where you relax and you're going to be focused on other things. And like everything has a time and a season. Um, you just need to know which one is the right one for you at the right time. Oh, amen. I could not have said that better. Okay, so folks, uh, if you had fun today, if you learned anything, if you laughed, just anything at all. But what is the name of your podcast, Joe? So I'm the host of the Real Estate Investing School podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, people can check out that just Real Estate Investing School podcast. It's on I don't know, all the platforms and whatnot. And that's been really fun to be part of. I should have asked you that in the very beginning. So go to the Real Estate uh, Investing School podcast and mm -hmm. give them some five-star reviews and subscribe over there. Go to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Subscribe. Give me also some five-star reviews. All of us that do podcasts do it to help educate you and teach you the things that we've learned. And as you've been listening to my show, I have people from all aspects of investing and um this is the big world out there so find your place in your niche and, and jump into it and go to dwanderful.com and opt in get some free stuff and go to josephfjensen.com and opt in over there all right uh any last parting words other than i already got your prioritized i i think we covered it you did a great job recapping and, and covering <laughs> that all i think we did awesome this is great right. thank you all right, y'all. So we'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. And remember that the truth is in the red letters. Ciao. And Joe, Bye. thank you for being on today. Absolutely. Take care. Wow. 
Wow, wow, wow. How much fun did you just have? You listened to the most wonderful real estate podcast ever. Hey, do me a favor. If you love just one thing about the show, if you laugh, if you learn something, leave a five-star review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Don't forget, next week, same bat time, same bat channel.